The following is a presentation of KSL Sports. First and 12. A total roundup into BYU football and the new look Big 12 Conference. Your hosts are Mitch Harper and Alex Keery for KSL Sports. It's really nice when you can win games and everybody's really disappointed about it. You know, and it's like, okay, guys, you got to smile. We've got the win. So a lot of the offensive guys are not happy. Defensive guys are fired up because we've got a shutout and got turnovers. But I just want to make sure they know that we win and lose as a team. Brett Yormark always talks about being additive. Well, here at KSL Sports, we're being additive to our lineup as we have a new show, First and 12, breaking down all things the Big 12 Conference and, of course, BYU football and some check-ins with Utah football as they're going to be joining the Big 12 next year. I'm Mitch Harp, your BYU insider for KSL Sports. And joining me every Sunday, Alex Keery, host of Unrivaled on KSL Sports Zone. Alex, this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's a weekend of a lot of firsts, Mitch. I mean, you think about, I mean, this show, it's a first for us. I can, it's a long career for me to be able to say, boy, this is a first, doing something on a Sunday morning here, doing this on KSL News Radio and on the KSL Sports Zone. But so many firsts this weekend. Uh, the first win for BYU in the Big 12 era. The first rushing touchdown for Keaton Slovis. Uh, the first shutout for Jay Hill. That's a high expectation. Game one of the of the Jay Hill era. A shutout, a nice way to get it done. And it was just a perfect amount of everybody in that BYU sphere going, I'm a little bit concerned, but semi-excited about how things went for BYU, who got the 14-0 win over Sam Houston. But across the conference, Mitch, intrigue from day one the first week the first real week of college football under our belt and here we are with a ton of firsts and first and 12 is here we're going to bring you all of these big 12 uh headlines and all the big 12 anything that was important to us over the weekend anything that is important to come all the sound that you want to hear and i know he's not in the big 12 yet but coach prime may make a little bit of an appearance today mitch i'm so dang excited about this and i haven't even slept over the past 24 hours i know you haven't either i'm with you alex this is going to be a lot of fun breaking all things big 12 down on this show and we got to start off with the headlines around the conference 12 12 headlines the dozen storylines that shape this week of big 12 football headline one opening weekend in the conference and it was an up and down one alex for the league as as you noted byu they got off to a 14-0 win over sam houston wasn't the most pretty thing but uh it's a a new start for this new member into the conference yeah you know i think that everybody could shake their head about whether or not they were excited about what the offense looked like and certainly that's stuff that uh, and you heard at the very top of the show kalani addressed the idea of, hey, let's just all settle down. It's nice when people – isn't it funny, too, that he already knows the attitude of not just his team, mm-hmm. but like the stadium, maybe even a little social media. Maybe he took a peek. I doubt it. But maybe – but at least maybe he looked at your face in the in the press room, Mitch, last night. I think there are a lot of people who are kind of going, <laughs> I don't know what's going on here, Coach. 14 <laughs> points against Sam Houston. But certainly the headline is is that here you are. Right, And I know there's going to be a lot of firsts in this year. There's going to be a lot of, now you've arrived in the conference. I don't know how many times we've said that over the past you know, 18 months or last almost, no, it's two years now since the announcement of BYU uh, going to the Big 12. But now they're here. That's the headline for BYU. That's it. They're in. They did not 
receive the uh, the bad end of an upset special, which we cannot say about some of the other conference mates for BYU this weekend. And so uh, you can look at that and just throw the rest of the numbers away, and there you go. they got to win their first week in the Big 12. BYU fans, I think, forgot that they were in the Big 12 last night because it almost felt like an independent game where you're playing this random team, and it was almost this feeling of, well, you got to be perfect to be great. Well, remember, you're in a conference, so you don't have to be – a perfect coming out of the gates. It's it's a slow build. BYU's always been the hot starting team in September. Maybe for once they'll actually peak in October and November, but you do get that victory and you do you know continue to realize you're in the Big Twelve Conference and that's a huge thing for BYU. But I will say it was kind of a less of a storyline coming out of of Lavelle Edwards Stadium than I thought. I thought there'd be a little bit more Big 12 celebrating, but you know, it just kind of felt like a typical BYU game day and and I th- I know that they don't want to lean in completely and have their whole identity shift to being under the conference umbrella, but uh, that was something that I think fans uh you know, it almost had these feelings of independence for for some BYU fans. Well, uh, certainly when you're taking on a uh, an opponent like that that felt in the, like felt <laughs> yes, like independent exactly. era opponent then uh then there's always that but you know what it was painted on the field mitch so that made me feel like it was all there and you know what they kept the buffet out a little bit longer and i there was leftovers at like two in the morning mitch i'm telling you i asked byu about it and no joke they're like well it's a big 12 i don't know we're gonna keep the leftovers out a little bit longer so that's not my headline too this one is headline two so take your pick of upsets mitch i mean across the board everything was uh a disaster for those teams that were supposed to take care of business. The most embarrassing of all of the upsets uh, yesterday in the Big 12 is Dave Aranda's Baylor team falling 42 to 24. No, to 31. We ended up being that final. They scored that last time. Tw- uh, 42 to 31 to Texas State, who is uh, an abysmal disaster. Not a great start to the year for Baylor. And I know some of those Utah fans might be going, oh, hey, now, maybe you do keep Cam rising out another week because Blake Shapin and that and that Baylor team and Jeff Grimes and that offense could not get it going. But more importantly, they could not stop the Bobcats. Yes, they could not stop the Texas State Bobcats there in Waco. Shocking performance. I thought Baylor was going to be a team that was going to contend in the Big 12. And, hey, maybe that could happen. You know, still, I mean, Kansas State last year, the Big 12 champ, they lost to Tulane, and everyone thought, oh, no, the the Wildcats are done. Tulane ended up being a good team. But still, Texas State, really? Uh, they, they had a good wide receiver who we saw locally here in Utah, Joey Hobear, who just went off. He was down at Utah Tech, and he moves up to the FBS ranks. He had how, at least a touchdown yesterday. How, how that guy didn't have more offers is beyond me. But Blake Shapin, he was a little bit – he was obviously banged up. There was a lot of c- commentary coming into the season about their quarterback situation. They brought in Sawyer Robinson, Robertson from – Mississippi State, who they really like, but they, they just seem like they've lost their identity since that Big 12 championship season two, two years ago. Jeff Grimes talks a lot about RVO, run violent offense. I expected these Baylor running backs to be outstanding, and it just seems like they were a blip on the radar, and the loss of Siaki Ika on the defensive line, much bigger deal than we expected because they could not stop Texas State at all. Baylor, that is a poor way to start this season. And with Utah looming, who we'll get to, I'm sure, the Utes very soon, but how they just handled Florida without eight starters, yeah, Baylor should be concerned. They might be steering down an 0-2 start. Three. Let's stay on the upset train, Mitch. My heavens, Texas Tech in a double overtime thriller last night in Laramie. Uh what is it the elevation up there? I don't know what happened. I know that uh, Texas Tech obviously goes in 
And they're one of the teams that people are looking at at a dark horse contender in this conference. Not a good way to start if that's what you're supposed to be. Uh, Coach McGuire and his team leaving Laramie, licking their wounds, and 0-1 right now to start the season off. It feels like that's just Texas Tech. Whenever there's expectations placed on that program, they never live up to it. That's why they're always the perennial eight-win team. You know, they finished the year so strong. And Tyler Shuck and that offense, it seemed like there was just so much buzz about Tech being a a, a potential Big 12 champion. And they still could. we got to remember that. But... To go into Laramie to start the year, it takes all the juice, all the energy from week two against Oregon. And I think that's the the letdown of this loss. Going into Laramie, we know that's that's a tough spot. BYU's going to do that next year, and they might walk into a buzzsaw too. But you just now take the oxygen out of a huge matchup against Oregon, and that's the letdown for, for Texas Tech on this one. Four. We've got 12 of these, really? Okay, here's the deal. The next one, I bury in the lead here, but uh, Coach Prime, and this is something we'll get to a lot, but obviously a big a big headline yesterday was that shootout that happened earlier in the day, a 45-42 upset of now, we find, now we're finding out a team in TCU that uh, was close to offering Prime uh, a, a coaching gig. Instead, he ended up taking it. They took Sonny Dykes. He took the, the gig at Colorado. You believe now? You believe now? That's going to be, I mean, start making the t-shirts. He's right there. Already. You know, it was a Michael Jordan moment where I took that personal. I didn't get hired by TCU. I took that personal. Okay. And Coach Prime, he just, he's wired that way. Look, I was bullish on Colorado and Coach Prime before the season started. I think they're going to be a playoff team when they join the Big 12 next year. I think the the talent that they have, when you have top-end talent that's five stars, You've got a chance to be a disruptor in college football, and what a start for Coach Prime and the Buffs. And, you know, TCU, they're the forgotten story, being the national runner-up last season. Offense still explosive with Kendall Bryles, but defense continues to be an issue for Sonny Dykes' team, and Colorado was explosive with Sean Lewis and that offensive staff. Headline 5. Taking care of business, Oklahoma, 73 Arkansas State, zero. By the way, interesting stat of the evening, the only two teams that shut out their FBS opponents. So the FBS teams that shut out their FBS opponents, both from the Big 12, 73-0 for Oklahoma, a little bit different of a, of a, of a result. 14-0 BYU. Hey, they're in the they're in the... They're in the conference, man. They're representing the conference here. There you BYU go. in lockstep with the Oklahoma Sooners. Who Just like thought? I said, yeah, of course. So there you go. They uh, they end up getting the blowout win, and uh, that's, of course, as expected. Let's come back and get the rest of our headlines here. We're halfway through. Let's get the rest of the 12 headlines. It is our first go right here. It's a first and 12 first for us. Welcome to the Big 12, Mitch. Here we are officially on a Sunday morning. Uh, we welcome you. And we'll come right back. More to go right here. It is first and 12. Mitch Harper, Alex Keery, as heard on KSL News Radio and the KSL Sports Zone. Stay with us. Welcome back. It is first and 12 right here on KSL News Radio and the KSL Sports Zone. Alex Keery and Mitch Harper, a brand new foray into a Big 12 program, a Big 12 centric program. I, you know what? I feel like a hypocrite, Mitch. I said this week, I'm not going to be that guy cheering for the conference, and I still won't just root for a conference, okay? I'm not going to be the guy wearing a Big 12 hat in on a Sunday morning. <laughs> it was an honor of the first show. Hey, is your truck? Is your is your lifted truck outside with a with a big old Big 12 sticker on it? Come on, man. Brett, Brett your marks my boss is the is the decal. <laughs> I got. 
Going to add my IP? Uh, well, we're, we're excited about this one. It's <laughs> aspirational. I'm telling you. Uh I, I do. I feel. I told people all week. I'm like, I'm never going to be that guy cheering for a conference. And then here we are doing a hey, full on first and twelve, Big Twelve conference. I'm show. sorry, your loss is my game. <laughs> so here we are. More headlines. We've got a bunch more to get through. And of course, one of the things that intrigued us in week one was how everybody else who are brand new to the conference did in this first week one. So let's kick it right back off again. Let's get the number six here. Six. UCF. Maybe uh, the most impressive showing of all the new ones, and that's exactly what we kind of expected in the preseason, Mitch. UCF 56, Kent State 6. They took care of business. Gus Malzahn, nice start in the Big 12. Explosive offense was on display. And, and, you know, the the social media team at UCF has made a lot of waves in the preseason and the big build-up to the Big 12. They had a little bit of a blunder with one of their tweets with with John John Rice Plumley, But, uh, you know, the, the thing is, you, you got to show that this the future of college football, as they call themselves at UCF, that was an impressive start. And I feel like they've kind of hit the ground running where they feel like they can contend in this league. And, and dare I say, Alex, they might be in the upper tier coming out of week one in this league. Well, I'll tell you where. I mean, immediately you knock down a team like Baylor and Texas Tech, maybe just in those power rankings, which we'll get to a little bit later. Maybe UCF ends up being in one of those spots here. So let's get to number seven. Seven. Houston Cougars, they had, I think, an underrated win over the weekend. They took down UTSA, who considered maybe to be one of the best group of five teams. I know UTSA's head coach, Jeff Trailer, probably if, if Dana Holgerson gets fired, maybe considered a, a candidate to, to be you. the Houston coach. I, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to forecast maybe hot seats potentially in the league. But it was a good start for Holgerson and Houston. Uh, kind of a much-needed win if they want to get to the postseason at, the, at year's end. Headline. Eight. Staying with the theme of the newbies, Cincinnati rolling up on uh, Eastern Kentucky. This is one you've got to take care of business with. And how about 66 points out of Cincinnati? And I'll tell you what, that's one of those teams, too, that people looked at and go, you might be paying attention to all these other teams in the Big 12 and even some of the other new teams in the Big 12, but Cincinnati, uh, a 53-point win, not bad in the first week here. It, it kind of gives you a proof of concept with Emory Jones at quarterback, 345 for him, seven total touchdowns. You know, he's just never been that that big winner at Florida and Arizona State. But, you know, it, the, the ability to, against anyone. We, we, I mean, we saw so much over the weekend that it's hard to put up, a, a, you know, big numbers offensively against anyone in college football with how much the talent is distributed in this sport now. So definitely a good start for, for the Scott Satterfield era and the Bearcats. None. How about we get to the Texas Longhorns? Uh, you know, we, we waited a while intentionally because we know Big 12 fans don't want to just romanticize the Longhorns and, and just give in and bend the knee, embrace the hate, as Texas has said. I don't have time to think about a team who's <laughs> not going to be with us next year, okay? <laughs> but the Texas Longhorns impressed against the Rice Owls, 37-10. to 10. You know, Rice hasn't beat Texas since 1965, and they were a conference rival back in the day. Texas had a slow start, but really turned it on and showed that offensive firepower with all the weapons they have at the skill positions. Interesting uh, outcome with Oklahoma State and Central Arkansas. Mike Gundy, if you were wondering about, and this is a question I had because I thought, you know what, BYU wins 14-0 in this first week. A fourteen point win of twenty seven to thirteen. If that was on the, if that was uh, you know in front of you in week one, would you be more impressed with that? I'd rather take the fourteen zero versus the twenty seven thirteen. And that game was a little bit dicey uh, for Mike Gundy at the beginning there. It definitely was, and I think it highlights the 
the transition for Oklahoma State with the mass exodus they had in the portal. And, and also, I mean, they've got new blocking schemes on their offensive line, so it's going to take time. And, and, but the, the the new defensive scheme, too, the three three five that they're incorporating, so much change. I think with Oklahoma State, you just kind of bank on Mike Gundy never fields a bad team. I mean, they, they bottomed out last year going 7-6 and six and not being competitive by season's end. But you always just expect that Gundy's going to have a bounce back when you don't expect it. This wasn't a great start. And they got a sneaky game coming up against South Alabama, who won 11 games last year. Oklahoma State, they got to they got to turn things around quick. That was not the greatest start. 11. Penn State, 38. West Virginia, 15. I know that the Big Ten and, and scores like that don't necessarily mean much. Is West Virginia the dog at 12 in the Big 12, as everybody had necessarily thought? Or was that a performance that... Uh, you know, Neil Brown kind of looked at and goes, hey, look at my team. We're not as bad as everybody says we are. Yeah, it, it, I don't think it's going to do him any favors to, you know, get him off the hot seat. But I, I, I think you're right, though, Alex, that they have, you know, they're going to be better than people think. He was pretty defiant at Big 12 Media Days that they are not going to finish last. And I agree with him because they have kind of an identity with Garrett Green at quarterback. They name him the starter. He won last year at Oklahoma or against Oklahoma. So they're going to be a run-heavy team. They've got a good offensive line. I think Penn State's just maybe a playoff good, I mean, at least a threat in the Big Ten East. And that was a tall order. I know it was a rivalry game for them, and they wanted to show better and have the game be closer. But still, I think West Virginia is going to get someone in this conference when league play starts. And headline number 12. The Big 12 champ, Kansas State. We leave them last, but hey, I mean, just they handled their business too. 45 to zip over SEMO, Southeast Missouri State. K-State, Chris Kleiman, underestimate him at your own risk. Kansas State had a pretty good day. 18 to 26 for Will Howard, 297 yards. You know, they, they've got a lot of personnel losses, but I still love the depth that they have. This is underrated talent. The way they develop still with Chris Kleiman, Kansas State's going to be a threat in this league. I, I feel like they are going to be a, a, a contender to get back to Arlington this year. And staying in the Sunflower State to round everything out, Kansas, uh, the Jayhawks, with a Friday win over Missouri State, the Bears. Everybody's playing all the directional Missouri State schools over the weekend. Congrats with the big W's. But, uh, again, you don't have you know your top quarterback in. Jason Bean instead gets the start and ends up uh, you know, having a nice serviceable day. But Devin Neal's the guy who's explosive for that Kansas team in the backfield. And they ended up rolling up 245 yards on the ground. Very balanced effort, almost 300 yards through the air. So Kansas is uh, going to be BYU's first uh, go in the Big 12, first uh First opponent on the road uh, at the uh, at the end of this month, and so that's a team you keep your eye on because definitely they are here and they're going to prove that they they don't want to be that nine ten team in the Big Twelve this year. I'm very curious though how long the the back issues linger for Jalen Daniels. Be, Jason Bean though he he's shown he can perform well. I mean he stepped in last season in replace of Daniels, and Kansas's offense was still flying pretty pretty at a high level. But uh, if they if Kansas wants to be eight nine wins good. Jalen Daniels is the guy. He's the preseason player of the year for a reason. And so his back, the tightness he experienced in fall camp, at what point does that go away? It's, it seems hard to imagine that back pain's ever going to go away. It's, it's a back pain. But we'll, we'll see how that goes because that's going to be a big storyline in this league. We've got so much to go on our very first first and 12 right here on KSL News Radio on the KSL Sports Zone. Mitch Harper, Alex Curie. When we return, we've got 
We wanted to go through the entire conference, and we did. We got the headlines out there if you wanted to know what the rest of the Big 12 did. And then we're going to come back after this break, Mitch, and I promise we're going to break down this BYU game from last night. You're going to hear some Kalani Satake sound from uh, the podium as well. You heard some of his comments at the front end of the show, but we'll get to those in their entirety, and you can kind of see what the coach was feeling after that game. So much more to go. Mitch Harper, Alex Keery, it is first and 12 right here on KSL News Radio and the KSL Sports Zone. Stay with us. First and 12 here on KSL Sports, the KSL Sports Zone, KSL News Radio, Mitch Harper, Alex Keery giving you a look inside the Big 12 Conference, BYU's new home. How does that feel, Cougar Nation? BYU gets it done over the weekend, 14-0 over the Sam Houston Bearcats. Look, it didn't go as expected. I, I think everyone felt that BYU was going to win the game, and it, it was never in question. I, I didn't feel any threat that Sam Houston was actually going to do something offensively suddenly because that offense was inept from Sam Houston. But the way that BYU's offense performed, Alex, that was a bit dis- disappointing coming out of week one. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I'm just going to side with Kalani in this one and go, uh, everything was new. I will say, too, shout out to Riley Nelson, who we do Football Fridays with, mm-hmm. who goes, I love all the talk. I love all the hype. But, you know, I'm just telling you right now, Live bullets are different, and it is. You've been going up against these same guys, right, all fall camp, and when you go, hey, I'm throwing this guy into the middle of this thing, Keaton Slovis, people are going to be critical, and they're going to immediately the, – the, think of the bombastic reactions, okay? You can either have a uh, – you can, you can people go – you get people saying, Aiden Roms is no good, Keaton Slovis is inaccurate, and has, <laughs> forgot how to play football, he only knew it in that first year at USC. That's the overreaction that people can have after a week one. And you know what? Until we have a bigger sample size, we can't really refute necessarily that, like, you know, the Keatons, the Keatons, I saw it on social media last night. I know I was up late and I was seeing stars at some point. I'm going, my heavens. But when I saw the Keaton Slovis reaction of, this, I told you this guy was a dog. I told you this guy didn't have it. I, I, the amount of people that, quote unquote, knew that Keaton Slovis was not the answer for BYU. When you watch that guy and some of the throws he made, you go, there's a reason he's here. I think the overreaction on the offensive side of things should probably be taken with a grain of salt like the like the zero that was put up on, on, on the defensive side, too, because I did like some of the, the QB hits, some of the QB pressures, but one sack that really wasn't a sack. I mean, frankly, it was that first, that first series. It was a bad snap, right? I mean... Uh, the one sack in the game when we we're always just we were all just hoping can we see some sacks from this team who was almost dead last in all of FBS last year in uh, in defense and so the relax factor right where you go let's not freak out about this thing but definitely from an actual game perspective the stadium was 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 chock full the stadium was jacked everybody was excited it was amazing and by about mid third quarter people are going so is this uh, can I go home. Just I've got some stuff early in the morning. Not because they were trying to be, not because they were bad fans or anything. They Mitch. needed to listen to us, of course. <laughs> right, sure. They go. I'll just catch up with Mitch and Alex tomorrow. It's fine. But it was it was an interesting kind of attitude inside the stadium of like seven zero. You got to fourteen zero barely, and I and I think people go, hey, you know what? This is you could tell that the Bearcat offense wasn't moving. And so that was a positive thing. And I'm not going to freak out. I'm going to go. Give me a bigger sample size. Give me a different opponent. 
And you're going to have a totally different uh, way that this thing's going to turn out. And I think you're going to have a different attitude next week about this team. I put a little bit of the blame on Aaron Roderick on the offense because I thought the play calling was questionable at times. I thought there were too many dink and dunks. And then you get to a third and four in a or third and five in a third quarter. And then you're taking your shot downfield. I just thought some of the... The ebbs and flows of how Roderick called the game, a little bit uncharacteristic for him. And I'm curious to see maybe how he attacks things next week against Southern Utah. But the star of the night, Alex, and the guy that gave BYU the spark and solidified the win, LJ Martin, a true freshman. This kid is the he is legit. You know, comes in from El Paso, Texas. I saw some of his family. They were wearing Martin 27 t-shirts. He had a big family uh, that group that was there it, for to support him. I just think that he is at a minimum it is a, you know, thunder and lightning tandem with him and Aiden Robbins. I think Robbins is going to have a bounce back. I'm not ready to say he's damaged goods, he's done. No, you should be excited about the LJ Martin no revelation, question. right? And, and Aaron Roderick was, you know, saying this kid's going to be a, a big player and he is clearly the number 2 guy at a minimum. He's making a case to be the number 1 running back. He was outstanding. Keaton Slovis from the podium last night, his first reaction to how things went for his team under center for the first time wearing the Royal Blue. Yeah, it's frustrating. I mean, you got to stay positive. You got to appreciate a win. A win's a win. Won by 14 points. You didn't have to turn any, any turnovers. Um, but as an offense, we have higher expectations than, uh, you know, what happened tonight. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of how it goes. And Kalani kind of reminds us, hey, you got to have a positive attitude after a win like that. And, um, you know, we know, we'll, we know we're better than that and we'll come out better uh, in the future. Keaton Slovis, I, I like that there's something that you have to sort of you can be excited about a W, but there's stuff that coaches love that kind of stuff too. They go zero points up on the board here, and then you over here can go. I have about fifty things on film, not the least of which were the bad penalties by that offensive line. Daryl Funk's got to be not very excited about that yeah. about his big men because your quote unquote all American or or possible all American guys didn't look great last night. I thought Paul Miley was according to the reports was going I was going to be like fatality like on the on the field like the old mortal combat because he's a violent human, right? He, he died of <laughs> too many meatballs. Meatball Smith, my goodness, the the uh, defensive tackle from Sam Houston was huge. Was uh, just handling BYU's offensive line. You know, does part of you Alex think back to see this game as 2017 against Portland State? Because I'll admit, that ran uh, through my don't mind. Don't do this. No, no, no. no. It, no I it, had this thought last night, and I actually talked about it in our postgame show, and I decided not the same. I decided now, okay. I mean, t- <laughs> there were way too many references to 2017 last <laughs> night. I started going back seeing how many total yards they had against LSU. I started looking back. I, I really got into a dark place last night. You can convince yourself that things could go really, really wrong. Now that Portland State game, that's an FCS team that is that was a winless that year. That was Texas State coming in and beating Baylor, you know, kind of a, a, a of a game. Even though they won that one, but we were all looking at each other going, "Okay, twenty three is okay." You know, like <laughs> there was there was all sorts of feelings after that game of you should feel okay. The defense played they well. They hit the playbook. I'm telling you, Aaron Roderick stayed vanilla last night for a you reason. Buying that. I am. I think they're staying vanilla. Well, what are you going to do? Break out a bunch of uh, trick plays against the Bearcats? I feel like you got to run your playbook out of the gates. It's an FBS team. If you truly respect Sam Houston like you said you did, you yeah. run your typical offense. Well, and I'll tell you, when you do go vanilla, what you're saying is is that I'm looking to the next couple of weeks. 
Yep. And it's not SUU. That could they, be the case. If they're going vanilla, but but to your point, it's not a good sign because you do overlook an opponent. Yeah. And I don't think that, I mean, that's not Kalani's vibe. That's not this defense's vibe. That's not, uh, you know, even Aaron Roderick. But I do think that they go, look, we can't, we're not going to show you everything right now because, look, we're, we're learning all this stuff too. Some of the throws last night were not on. The good news was is no ball, no turnovers, right? Yeah. Three picks on the other side of the ball. One very questionable. Congrats to that uh, Conference USA uh, 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 referee group. I mean, my heavens! But in the end, I think that you look at it and you go, "I, I don't have enough of a big sample size." Yep. But I'll tell you what's not on the on the schedule is in East Carolina. There's a lot of other teams who they lost to. Who they lost to that year. year. I'm, I'm telling you, there are teams on that schedule where where we looked back and we went, "That was supposed to be an automatic win," and there's no version of that in the Big Twelve anymore. These teams are going to show up and absolutely blast you every week. They don't care, you know, what your conference schedule may look like, or if you're going to get soft in in uh, in November. That's not going to happen. And so, for me, I'm not going to overreact, but I'm not going to say that it didn't cross my mind or that I didn't mention it already on the on the post game show well, last I, night. And I felt like you need to unleash that playbook because there's so many new faces. Get these guys comfortable with that spot. I mean, I could see holding off some things because, but Sam Houston, I I really think that defense is going to be maybe near the top in conference USA. I think they've got some real talent there on the defensive side. So I thought solid performance. BYU gets the win. All right. When we come back, Kalani Satake, his first uh, go in the post game at the podium, and we are going to get that reaction. You'll hear that in its entirety. All that sound from Coach Satake, his reaction last night to BYU's 14-0 win over Sam Houston State. It is first and 12 right here on KSL News Radio and the KSL Sports Zone. Stay with us. First and 12, Mitch Harper, Alex Carey here on the KSL Sports Zone and KSL News Radio every Sunday breaking down the Big 12 here on First and 12, simulcasts on both stations. Having a great time so far. BYU head coach Kalani Satake, I think he had a great time last night, man. He was energetic arriving at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Never seen him so fired up down a Cougar walk to kick off the Big 12 era, but. The tenor was a little bit different in the post game for Kalani Satake. You know, I was going to say too before we get to his sound on that pass interference. Have you seen him that fired up on the sideline since that first game against Utah at Ooh, Utah, the twenty nineteen right. when he got flagged? Did he get? Oh no, it was on the. It was on the the. Uh, it was on the. It was on the Nakua late uh, hit, late hit targeting that he got fired up and he was about midfield. <laughs> Right, this is game yes. one for Kalani. It had shades of that last night, where they're having to escort him off. He had about six get back coaches <laughs> getting him back on there. But here was the reaction: the more calm, cool, collected Kalani after uh, the fourteen to zero win over Sam Houston at the podium. Uh, for some reason, was flat and not good enough. Uh, they know that, but I want them to be proud of them taking care of the football. It seems like when we're trying to get some momentum, um, mistakes turn uh, not not turns out uh, uh, um, penalties would stop the momentum. And so, and, and you know, and as far as special teams, I thought Ryan Rico kicked kicked really well. Um, you know, the, uh, the the way he punted was amazing. Um, that that fake punt was on me. That's not on him. That's on us coaches. I think trying to 
trying to create a spark, and sometimes you don't create a spark by doing something like that. So uh, my error, and we'll, we'll get better at that. I'm still, I can be better at that as well. So I'm glad that the defense responded. I, I'm telling you, um, the way Jay's got them trained, uh, they, they respond to negative plays like that and got us the ball back. So I was really proud of them all night. It just felt like they were just in control of the game. Um, even when big plays happened, I felt like they, they, uh, they weren't out, out of it. So really proud of the, the guys overall, proud of all three phases. Uh, there's, there's definitely some, rooms to, some room for, for uh, improvement, and we'll work on that week one to week two. We can make a lot of improvement. So um, it's humbling in some ways, too. You just can't show up and think that guys are just going to um, you know, give you plays and give you um, points. And so humbling it a little bit for our players, especially on the offensive side. But we'll get better, and we'll make sure we show up next week. Southern Utah played a tight game against ASU, so it's not going to be uh, easy. So we need to make sure that we uh, learn from this and get better and, and uh, find ways to put points on the board and, and while still taking care of the football and find ways to be disruptive on defense and then the special teams be the X factor for us. I thought Ryan was able to flip the field for us. Uh, played really comp- great complimentary football with the, uh, with the defense. And, um, and on defense, I was really proud to get in some turnovers. So... Questions. When you saw what they were doing in, in camp and, and in practice leading up to this game, uh, do, does what their performance tonight kind of fit like the overall vision and the potential that you saw in them leading up to this game? Yeah, of course. And, and I thought... Um, you know, there, there's some plays that we'd love to have back to. I think there's some things that we can improve on. Jay's already thinking of what we can do better next week. So uh, I've been really proud with, with the way they practiced all camp. There, there are some moments where the offense, I think the first scrimmage, the offense had the uh, upper hand. And uh, we're coming off of, of uh, you know, like they had a great performance in scrimmage against our defense. And um, just what Jay does, he, he doesn't like that. And, and they responded really nicely. And I thought the defense just kept working on getting better one day at a time. And um, I've seen that offense be really explosive against this defense. And so uh, we've we got to get that back. And, and uh, I feel like we're it's attainable. You know, we just got to stop shooting ourselves in the foot when we're getting momentum plays and try to find more urgency uh, to get lined up and play. I mean, we had late calls, had to take some timeouts and all stuff like that. that that's, a, that's a momentum killer. So uh, that's stuff that we can fix, that we can we can handle on the coaching part. And I got to be better at demanding that from our offense. You noted the explosive uh, nature of the offense. You guys have built an identity on that. What caused only two explosive plays through the air? Was it just by design to go kind of dink and dunk or not enough shots downfield? I think a couple of things. I think the one thing I don't want to take away is, is that Sam Houston's a really good defensive team. We've known that. I mean, I've said this team's won national championship a few years ago, and they have a really good coach. And and we knew that um, with them redshirting so many players last year that they would have a different team than than even showed most of the film last year. And and so I I felt like um, they had a really good game plan, and so a lot of teams are probably going to do what they did. So we need to find ways to get, get points on the board and find explosive plays, and that's what we're usually good at. Um, we got to get some guys healed up and get some some experience back on the field, and and then uh, make just capitalize and make op- uh, make opportunities for us to have success. I I, I think we had some fifty uh, fifty balls that were up there, and maybe there's some times that we um, we could have taken a little bit of conservative route on on the checkdowns, let our guys make plays. But I felt like overall there was just not a moment, there, there was not a, a um, 
a rhythm going, you know, so that, that the, uh, the rhythm's got to be established by the play caller and established by the offensive, offensive staff and the players on the field. And we've had that for some reason to show up tonight, and I'm disappointed about that. But uh, I've seen it before, so it's not like we're just making stuff up. Let's just get it back. And, and, and uh, it's, it's, it's really nice when you can win games and everybody's really disappointed about it, you know, and it's like, okay, guys, you got to smile. We've got the win. So a lot of the offensive guys are not happy. Defensive guys are fired up because we've got a shutout and got turnovers. Um, but I just want to make sure they know that we win and lose as a team. So the, I, I was really pleased with the fact that nobody pointed fingers. Uh, there was none of that going on, on the sideline. Uh, we just had to, we'd be able, have to be able to handle things a little bit differently when things aren't going our way on the offensive side. And maybe guys were, were probably pushing in a little bit too much and, and getting outside the framework of their own 111th, you know. That tends to happen. Some guys, sometimes guys want to make the play all by themselves instead of just blocking their responsibility doing their assignment and I saw a little bit of that tonight freelancing a little bit what was the decision to go with LJ Martin in the fourth quarter which was a good decision yeah, I, th- I think um, a-, a Rod and and, and uh, the offensive staff Harvey and them just felt like they wanted a you know a spark. I was trying to create one with a fake punt. They just created one with a different personnel. Thought, I thought I, I don't want to blame it on on the running backs because it's not like everything was blocked up really nicely to begin with. We really pride ourselves on having big physical alignment and it just wasn't good enough from them at the line of scrimmage and again Sam Houston did some really good things to expose us in some ways but uh, we got to improve we got to play way better and, and we got to play more of a unit as, as a uh, on, the, on the front line with the five guys blocking um, so once we do that we get the rhythm back and I, I'm looking forward to the next showing uh, I just looking forward to next week just want to get there quickly how big were Jacobs' two interceptions tonight? Yeah, obviously the one after the, the failed um, fake punt was huge. And so, um, you know, it, it's it's interesting. Jacobs' just a big-time playmaker. A lot of people haven't tested him um, in, in, in the time that he's been here. And for some reason, this group wanted to test him. And, and uh, you know, he, he had some amazing interceptions. Probably could have had another one. Um, but I like the way he tackled, too. And, and I think Eddie tackled well. Camden tackled well. I mean, all, all the corners, uh, Maury, the whole group did well. Marcus McKenzie did a great job on punt cover uh, with his speed and, and, um, and chasing down those punts that were just, I mean, I, you can't tell Ryan to not kick it far because he was booming the ball. And that's, we, we had a lot of speed getting there. Him and Jacob Bourne did a good, great job getting downfield. Um, there, there's although there's a lot of room for um, improvement. There's a lot of things to be praised, and the, those guys played really well. So I, I, I want to get them consistently doing it uh, next week. See if, if we can um, perform at a high level like what Ryan's done. But I don't want him punting that many times in a game. So that that'd be the goal. Let's just when he comes on, let's get, let's kick PATs, you know. So but um, but when when the, his numbers called, I was glad that he was able to flip the field. I was really happy with the overall performance. Uh, on, the, on the team and offensively we got to take care of what we can do better but they took care of the football and, and um, that, that was a big big key for us what did you make of how Keaton played today and did you think he was pressing at all maybe I think maybe that's a good question to ask him but um, you know we've seen him perform better so um, I think maybe just trying to sometimes you can force the throw a little bit more than just take what's there and um you know, we, we we've had we've had performances where quarterbacks can make better decisions. Um, I know A Rod will, will get it fixed, and I know Keaton's got a lot of ability. So uh, he, he's hard on himself. I mean, there's there's guys in there that they're really 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 upset at how they perform. So um, 
got that one under your belt. You know, you, you played at home. Um, got a back-to-back home game, so here we go, trying to improve and get better second second game. Um, and let's see what happens. I, I have a lot of confidence in, in, our, in our players and the talent. Uh, Mitch Harper, I'll tell you what. The performance from week one to week two, from a media standpoint, I want to hear a lot less about Ryan Rico. I know he kicks, man. <laughs> I know he kicks. And when Kalani said, you know, uh, I just don't want him punting that much, I don't want us talking about him punting First that much. First game in the Big 12 era and the big story, Ryan Rico. There's a reason he was at Big 12 Media Listen, Day, Alex. T- <laughs> the only punter in the league. Oh, I'm telling you right now. There's going to be that press release from the Big 12 on the special teams players of the week, and he's going to be. The, I got a vote I, on it tonight. I, I'm. Ta- do you take do you take that vote away from him because of the because of the Crody fake punt? That's an insane number on a punt, but you also giving special teams to punt guy. I mean, he fl- he did change the game for he BYU. Was, though. Marcus McKenzie, as Kalani noted, was good on as a gunner, but yeah, I mean that fourth and six that goes up there with the Johnny Linehan fourth <laughs> and nineteen. It's it's not that one as bad, but right, it's next in line. Not a good place on the field to do it. We've got hour number two right around the corner. We have so much to jump into. Our living power rankings of the Big Twelve on first and twelve. Our first edition of it next, plus so much more and. A week of the Big 12 where TCU gets upset by Colorado, a future member of the conference. We've got Coach Prime Sound that you do not want to miss. An insane press conference. Stay right here. It is 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone and KSL News Radio. It is first and 12. Mitch Harper, Alex Keery, back next.